Thanks, and welcome to Ask BBB. A program that gives consumers information from businesses they can trust. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and the president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Later on in the program, we're going to talk to about Cyber Monday. Now, yesterday was Black Friday, which follows that American Thanksgiving, and that signals the beginning of the shopping frenzy. And in today's world, online shopping being what it is, Cyber Monday is the big day deals that are promoted online. And that is followed by Giving Tuesday, a day when people start planning their charity donations. So stay tuned for consumer tips. Well, here we are, just a little under a month away from the official beginning of winter. That's Thursday, December 21st, 11.28 a.m. And it's just one month to go until Christmas Day. And we've had a taste of winter, just enough to cause chaos at tire centers and shoe stores as we prepare to face the white stuff. But this morning, we focus on making it through winter Warm, cozy, and relaxed. Slipping into a hot tub as snowflakes gently fall around you might be one way to relax. Jeff McCall of Beachcomber Hot Tubs will join us with tips on choosing and maintaining a hot tub to make that vision a reality. Or staying indoors, lighting the fireplace, and settling in with a good book or a favorite movie. David Riley of My Fireplace joins us now to give us some ideas and tips to warm up your winter. David, welcome to Ask BB. Great. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. There's a wide range of fireplaces available in three different energy sources, uh, wood, gas, or electric. What's the most popular? Uh, Linda, I think probably the most popular in today's terms would be gas, uh, either new application uh, in an existing wall, or if you have an existing wood-burning fireplace, uh, to upgrade it with a set of gas logs or a uh, an efficient gas insert. When you uh, are considering uh, a fireplace, how do you decide which of those wood sources or, or uh, heat sources is going to be best for your situation? I think, Jim, that uh, a lot of people uh, struggle with that and uh, some of it's directed to use, how I'm going to use it afterwards. Some of it is a particular style or a model that we're looking for. Um, some of it might be a particular trim package that might fit the decor in the home. So there are several different ways that can kind of influence, uh, you know, what's chosen at the, at the end. So can you convert a wood burning to gas or to electric? Uh, yes. Uh, conversions are done uh, every day. We do them every day. Um, you know, they're not particularly invasive to do. Uh, usually a half a day or so uh, will get you a, a brand new energy efficient uh, gas fireplace in an existing wood. Yeah. What are some of the uh, factors besides budget then that come into play when you're choosing the kind of fireplace that you're going to install? Uh, I think, Jim, that one of the big struggles or factors that people try to decide on is how much heat uh, or how much heat energy that's going to produce in the room because um, obviously these are efficient. Um, they uh, produce a, a certain amount of heat and we don't want to overheat that area too quickly because then you won't get the to view the flame. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge uh, for folks. So how do you integrate the heat generated by a fireplace into the home's heating system? Uh, that's a good question, Linda. I think that, uh, again, folks are using these uh, types of equipment, this type of equipment, to heat an area of the home that tends to be a little bit cooler. Uh, they use this type of equipment to heat an area of the home that may not have any heat, really. It's not a supplement. It's going to be maybe that the heat source, the main heat source for that room. And today's fireplaces that we sell also have uh, like duct systems that we can take off them to heat lower or upper areas of the home as well. Um, so it's kind of twofold. Um, 
It's a nice backup source of heat, uh, you know, in the case that there's a power outage, but it's also heats an area of the home that's a little tougher to heat, uh, maybe that the furnace doesn't do a good job at. David, this is the time of year when we have uh, channels that have fireplaces. You can tune to channel 600 and whatever it is, and you can have a fireplace in your living room. But that brings up the question, can you mount a, a TV above a fireplace? Um Everyone likes to do that and everyone wants to do that and, uh, you know, yes, it is done. Um, There are some rules that, you know, we need to kind of pay attention to but, uh, yes, absolutely, it's uh, it's done. What are some of the things you need to consider uh, when you're doing that? Um, I think the big thing is uh, just to, you know, like with anything that's, uh, you know, there are certain clearances or or requirements that need to be maintained and, uh, you know, providing we follow those. Um, yep, everything works out great. Yes, you can absolutely have that above there. No, we we uh, didn't mention much about electric fireplaces. Um, are are they uh, efficient? Can they be efficient? Uh, yes, Jim. Uh, electric is a, a category that uh, we actually sell, and it is, it is growing, uh, you know, quite rapidly. And uh, um, you know, we sell a couple of manufacturers. One in particular that you know is probably on the leading edge of technology and. Um, they have some very realistic-looking electric fireplaces. And, you know, the real advantage to an electric is, is that you can turn the heat on or off, and they're 100% efficient. So every bit of energy you're using is coming into the room, unlike some other, like wood would be a little less efficient because of the chimney use. But um, absolutely uh, uh, just spectacular-looking f- visual effect from an electric fireplace today, yeah. So you can have the visual effect without heat then? Absolutely, yes, mm. yeah. So um, I know that you have a fairly large display of fireplaces. What are some of the things that we should consider when we're choosing a company to deal with when it comes to fireplace, David? Um, I think like everything, it's, uh, you know, the reliability. Um, You know, one of the uh, things that we really try to strive for day in, day out, uh, every client, every job is, you know, customer satisfaction. Uh, It's uh, really part of our company and and really part of what we do. Um, Our installers and salespeople are certified and trained by the manufacturer to, uh, you know, deliver the very best product based on a needs analysis. So we will come to your home, we'll assess what's there, and from that assessment, uh, marry it together and make sure that, uh, you know, it's the right product for the the right application. So those are things you want to uh, look into for any company that you're going to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, thanks very much for being with us this morning. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, our guest this morning has been David Riley of My Fireplace, an accredited business with BBB. So before you deal, look for the seal. When we return, we're going to be in hot water, <laughs> or at least find out just how hot it should be when we explore the hows and whys of owning a hot tub. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Linda Smith, CEO and President of BBB Serving Western Ontario. And Jeff McCall, General Manager of Beachcomber Hot Tubs and Spas, joins us now to Ask BBB. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Jeff, it's great to have you here. Uh, Is this the time of year to even consider installing a hot tub? Yeah, we uh, install them all year round. Um, The, you know, the colder it gets, usually that's the better time to use a hot tub breathing in the, the cool air and actually enjoying the out, outdoors, which you aren't normally when it's cold out. So sure, anytime's a good time. So if you decide you want a hot tub to be part of your winter uh, coping strategy, what are some of the things we need to know before we visit the showroom? For instance, do we need planning permission or building permits from the city? Uh, if you're not building a, a new deck or something that would need a permit, then no. If it's just going on a, a patio or something that's existing that... Uh, 
will accommodate it, then they're basically because it's portable, uh, there doesn't, yeah, there's no permits to it. Are there any other things though that we should plan for? Uh, in, in uh, our... well, one is access, getting it into your, your yard. Obviously you need, uh, some space to get in between houses or, or whatnot. I mean, worst case scenario, you could use a crane, but access is, is important. Um, your power, you know, if you have a, a, a breaker panel that's old and full, you know, you might need to do some work to that to, uh, accommodate the new tub. And then, uh, obviously, yeah, just having an area that you, you can place it and, uh, we can come out and help you with all that stuff, you know, check it all out before you ever make a purchase or any obligation. So what's the range of choices when it comes to a hot tub or a spa in terms of size and price and so on? How, how wide a range is there? Well, I mean, you can go from a two person tub to, uh, in our lineup, I mean, you're going up to a, an eight person tub, mm-hmm. um, and then price range. I mean, it, there's a, a pretty big, uh, uh, area there too. I mean, you can, in a new tub, you can go from uh, a little under six to over 20. Uh, and we also do reconditioned tubs as well, which all come with warranty and delivery and everything. I mean, you'd start maybe a little under four grand for something like that. Is there a rule of thumb about how much it costs to run a hot tub? Uh, is there more efficient ones that keep it hot uh, outside in the winter or heat it up for, do you heat it up for every specific use or do you keep it warm all along? Uh, back in the day, yeah, you might heat it up for every use just because of how inefficient they were and the kind of heaters, you know, gas pool heater or something. These days uh, uh, with our tubs, you, you know, you just, maintain whatever temperature you want to use it at because when it's sitting there and the lid is on the tub and you're not running the pumps on high, then it's going to be very economical just to maintain a a certain temperature. Uh, In the industry, there's, you know, huge differences in the way tubs are insulated. So there's a huge difference in the the running costs of them. Uh, You know, like a a house in the past where you'd have uh, not much insulation, maybe some foil or some sheeting. And these days, you know, your really efficient house would have a, an isonine spray foam, uh, you know, that's going to get your best efficiency. So the same thing kind of applies to a, a hot tub. And as a follow-up, <clears throat> is there a big difference to, in cost to run if you're looking for a different type? Like I know I've seen some that have a lot of bells and whistles and stereo and lighting and mm-hmm. um, electrical enhancements. Do those run less efficiently or are they all part and parcel of the same system? Uh, A lot of those features aren't going to draw much power because, you know, if you're talking a stereo, it's not going to draw a lot. And the the lighting is all, you know, LED lighting. And if you looked at the amount of time that that stuff runs in a given month, it's it's not going to change it too much. It's really, the biggest thing is going to be the way it's insulated. You know, how well it holds the heat, how often does your heater have to to come on to maintain that heat. Now, you said uh, you maintain the heat, but how much maintenance overall to keep the water right? And how much maintenance does a hot tub take? Uh, these days, very little with the type of water care uh, programs that we have. I mean, if you're using the tub regularly, you know, you might be 10 minutes or so a week. There isn't the vacuuming and brushing walls and out of a pool and you've got a cover on top so you don't have, you know, your rainwater and sun and leaves and dust getting into it. Uh, and some of the systems, if you went away, like if you went away on va- a vacation for a month, literally the the water would look after itself. The, you don't, the tub would look after it. You know, you wouldn't have to have somebody coming in and adding product and worrying that you're going to come back to a, a pond rather than, uh, you know, hmm. nice clear water. So, Do companies uh, <clears throat> uh, offer service like they do for pools or, or is that 
part of the package? Yep. There's, uh, you know, lots of customers that we have that that's what we'll do is go out, uh, usually on a hot tub, a little different than a pool. It's every other week we would go out because uh, they can maintain themselves fairly well. And a lot of the people that have us do that are just, they're busy. So they're not there as much. They might use their tub more sporadically. So they just want it to be, you know, in great condition when they actually have time to sit in it. So how long will my hot tub last before it needs to be replaced? And I guess the corollary of that would be if I'm moving uh, and I have a new hot tub invested, is it something that can come with me? Yeah, it definitely can come with you. I mean, we move hot tubs probably every week for, for somebody uh, that is moving um, because usually you don't get a lot of it out of, out of it if you leave it with the house. Um, they say, it, it, you know, it doesn't sound very good, but they say in our industry that the average life expectancy of a hot tub is less than 10 years. Uh, ours, they would say uh, 20 is average. Uh, we've resold tubs with, that we've reconditioned that are over 20, and we have parts for tubs that are over 30. So really, they can go as long as you really want to maintain them. Jeff, just as a, a parting <coughs> question, what are some of the things you'd advise people to check when they're choosing a company to deal with uh, when they're thinking hot tubs? Well, uh, you know, read into the warranty that they have because obviously uh, sometimes there's a lot of uh, uh, hidden aspects to that that you don't, uh, you don't consider. Uh, if they do their own service, that's, you know, important because it's something that's outdoors in the cold. It, you know, you can't just leave it till, you know, somebody has time. It needs to be fixed. Um, so really, yeah, they're, the warranty parts availability, uh, their own service, uh, uh, obviously can do reviews and, you know, like we're talking today, you know, if they're a member of something like the BBB, that obviously uh, should make a difference as well because you can, you know, that they they hope to, you know, stand behind their product and their service and that sort of thing. Look for the seal before you deal. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jeff, thanks very much for being with us this morning. Our guest has been Jeff McCall, General Manager of Beachcomber Hot Tubs an accredited business with the BBB with an A-plus rating. Well, Black Friday started serious shopping season yesterday. Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday are on the way, so. And so is BBB's communications manager with timely tips. Stay tuned. Ashley Castleman is next. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Linda Smith. And I'm Jim Swan. Linda is the CEO and president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. And now we're joined by Ashley Castleman, manager of communications at the Better Business Bureau Serving Western Ontario. Good morning. Good morning, Ashley. Cyber Monday, or for those people not totally spaced out by Black Friday, how long has Cyber Monday been a part of the shopping season? Well, the term um, Cyber Monday was created by uh, marketing companies to persuade people to shop online. Um, I myself uh, is a huge online shopper. Uh, the term was originally coined by Ellen Davis and Scott Silverman and made its de- debut on November the 28th, uh, 2005. So it's been around for over 12 years um, and it's quickly become one of the biggest uh, online shopping days of the year. So let's go over some of the things we should keep in mind as savvy shoppers. Well, um, always try to use a credit card. Your credit cards come with uh, fraud protection. Um Another thing is if you're shopping online, make sure the site is encrypted and secure. Look for that little lock or the HTTPS um, to make sure you're on a secure site. Make sure the URL is uh, legit and not a spoof version. So if you're looking for ebay.com, make sure it says ebay.com, not ebay1.ml. 
So a good idea to look up in that browser bar pretty regularly to yes. check those things. Mm -hmm. in. Terms and conditions and that sort of thing. But what about payment? Uh, payment, um, if you are a little unsure about using your own credit card online, you can use uh, third parties such as PayPal. Um, you provide them your credit card information and then they uh, do the payment for you um, to, to the third party site. And what about when you're always asked, save credit card information? You That's up to you, but um, I would suggest don't save your credit card information if you're unsure of the website. Um, you don't know whether they have a secure way of saving it or not. So it's best to always just type that information in yourself each time. A lot of free Wi-Fi out there. I guess you probably want to avoid doing your shopping when you're yes. <laughs> sitting at, at one of those free public places. Yeah. So if you're at a free public Wi-Fi place um, that doesn't have secured Wi-Fi, not the best time to do shopping when, when you're in line at Starbucks or when you're in line at the mall. Um, so just uh, wait. Don't put any public, um, don't publicly put any of your personal information or credit card information on there. Now, uh, when we're shopping, I noticed from time to time, there'll be all of a sudden those pop-up ads. They are, look like really easy to click through and do your shopping. Yes. Uh, don't click on pop-up ads when you're doing your online shopping. Look for the website you're looking for directly in Google or type in the uh, website directly uh, because that is a very good way of getting to a spoofed website and unfortunately becoming a victim of identity theft. And you also have a warning for us all about fake delivery invoices? Yes, uh, they're very common throughout the year, but this time they seem to kind of uh, ramp up. Uh, so look for uh, fake uh, Amazon, UPS, uh, FedEx uh, emails, alluding that uh, your order or delivery is stuck in transit and you have to click on something to verify information. Uh, things to look for is uh, just a general uh, introduction, such as dear customer. Normally, uh, if it's from Amazon, it'll say dear Ashley or dear Jim. Um, also, uh, be careful when you're clicking on links from an email uh, that it's actually going to fedex.com or amazon.com, not amazon.ml. Are some of these tips available on the BBB site? Yes, Ashley? they're all available on bbb.org slash holiday helper. Now, Cyber Monday uh, is coming up. We've just talked about that, but it's better to give than to receive. So yes. <laughs> Giving Tuesday is coming up. How new is, is Giving Tuesday? Uh, well, Giving Tuesday is the sixth year. Um, they use the hashtag, uh, hashtag Giving Tuesday to market. It's a global day of giving that's powered by social media and collaboration. Uh, following the shopping rushes of Black Friday um, and Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday is often regarded as one of the biggest uh, starts to the charitable season. More than 10,000 organizations worldwide engage in this day. And I've noticed a lot of uh, non-profit charities use the day to either initiate a campaign or start a campaign yes. and communicate that. Yes. Um, often, there's over 98 countries that participate in it. Um, and again, more than 10,000 organizations. Um, over $168 million were raised uh, on this one specific day. Um, so we urge donors to research charities before giving to ensure that your contribution is going to the right place and that they're going to use that financial contribution um, worthwhile. Now, BBB uh, is known for checking out businesses, but uh, understand that BBB also has um, an alliance that checks out charities. Yes, uh, we review charities locally as well. Um, the Wise Giving Alliance is um, a subset of the Better Business Bureau uh, international organization. Uh, but what we also do locally is we review charities based on uh, their governance, uh, if they have uh, board of directors in place, uh, if they spend their money wisely, if they spend too much money on fundraising, um, 
and then how they spend it on their programs. And so you also have some tips uh, to help donors give wisely and make the most of their generosity during the day and the yes. holiday season. Um, so one thing you're going to want to watch out for is name similarities. Um, make sure you're donating to the charity that you think. If you're looking for uh, the Canadian Cancer Society, make sure it's not the Ontario Cancer Group or something very similar. Um, avoid on-the-spot donations with unfam- unfamiliar organizations. Remember that a donation tomorrow is just as good of a donation today. Uh, if a charity's not willing to wait, then that's a very big red flag you should watch out for. Hmm. Now, I understand that uh, millennials are uh, pretty good at giving and that about <laughs> 50% of them uh, want to talk to their children about giving. Uh, how how should they go about that? It's a great conversation to have with your children. Um, the conversation does really count. Uh, so talk to your child about giving and how it's very significant and it does make a difference. Um, also, show and tell. Um, show your child what you do to give. Explain it to them, uh, whether it's uh, volunteering for a morning at a soup kitchen um, or why you give to people less unfortunate. Ashley, thanks for these tips this week. And that's it for Ask BBB for this week. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Remember, Ask BBB. And start with trust.